Hey, beloved, I just wanted to give you a heads up before we get into today's story. We will be talking about self-harm and some abuse. Today on Radiant Stories in the co-host chair, we have Gabby McCart sitting with me, your co-host, April Mozingo, and we are interviewing a lady who is a wife, a mom to a precious little boy, photographer and corgi mom, Elisa Pate. I am so excited because I get the privilege to interview Elisa Pate, and I'm so excited. I know you're really nervous, but I'm very, I'll be excited and joyful for the both of us. Yes, that'll help. (laughs) But um, yeah, so for those listening, she is my best friend. We go to church together. We both go to Calvary Hill um, Baptist Church. Um, Our babies are around the same age too, and so it's it's fun to be in the same like walk of life too. And she's just been there for me for the whole nursing journey. So, and just motherhood in general. So it's been this is such a privilege, and I'm so excited to get to do this. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Um, do you kind of want to tell us a little bit about maybe what your childhood was like, um, where you grew up, um, just whatever you're comfortable sharing, just kind of tell us where your story begins, like in your mind. Okay. Well, I like to, um, make fun that I'm old. (laughs) Uh, so my story really begins, uh, June of 1992, and I was born in Mexico, Cancun to be exact, and it always blows people's mind when I tell them that. Uh, Party to, city! <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever they find out that I don't know how to swim is another big deal, because I was born <laughs> pretty much next to the beach. Um, my mom was a 20-year-old, very young mom, uh, and my dad was a Mexican-Hawaiian dancer, the ones that dance with the fire and the blades, and it's just crazy to know that. Um, He passed away when I was only five months old. Uh, My mom was alone with a new baby, um, you know, navigating the whole life of a widow. Um, I was only five months old, and she then met my stepdad, um, and he was in the military there in Mexico. Um, He wanted someone to come home with or come home to, and she needed someone to help her as she navigated the new life of a widow and new mom. So they kind of just got together, like, as a just to be with mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. Um, so she would, he would help my mom with diapers and milk and stuff like that. And then whenever he was home, she would like uh, iron his uniforms, wash, you know, cook and stuff like that. And eventually mm-hmm. it turned into an agreement, a partnership. Um, and then like two years later, they had my sister. And then with time, they decided to just, uh, at that same time, they gave me his last name. So I guess technically he adopted me. Uh, years went on and they wanted a better life. Um, when I was about five years old, they uprooted us from Mexico and moved to the United States um, here in Dallas, um, where they hoped and dreamed for a better life, uh, full of opportunities for their young daughters. Um, we started school here. We lived in a small bedroom apartment with uh, my aunt and her kids and her husband, which is like through five of them and then four of us in a small two-bedroom apartment. It didn't last very long. Sure, one bathroom. Yes. Oh, <laughs> you know, little apartments in yeah. Dallas, not very accommodating for big families. Um, so we didn't stay there very long. Um, so whenever we moved out, my mom and my dad, um, you know, he worked from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. He was never home. So we only saw him, you know, when he got home to eat and sleep. And then if we were being disciplined mm. <laughs> is about the only time we really saw him or had any interactions with him. Um, my mom... She did all she could to just kind of help provide for the family and to also teach us about 
uh, helping out around the house and stuff like that. We would she would sell chips and sodas and stuff out of our, our little closet, little coat closet. And she would make food to sell and we would walk around the neighborhood of the apartment complexes and just knock on doors or yell tamales menudo <laughs> i don't know you've probably if you're in the if you live in a hispanic neighborhood mm-hmm. you probably hear that and it's pretty common i guess so that's what we did me and my sister and my mom just walked around and whenever we didn't have school or after school or on the weekends um yelling out or selling food and my mom would make a little bit of money to kind of help with stuff that we needed or stuff that how around the house um, to kind of help my dad so that she didn't have to depend on him as much, I guess. Mm. Um, we never went anywhere. We never had a vacation. We never, we just went to school, the laundromat, the mall. <laughs> That's it. We went to the mall at the, at the beginning of the school year for clothes. Mm. That's about the only place we went. So we didn't really have a fun childhood, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people can relate to the the thing about your dad not being home, you know. So you were there watching your independent mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, you feel, like, inclined to help, too. And so your childhood was spent working. Like, your young childhood, this isn't like you were 16, you got a job. Like, you were, like, starting, like, what, six or seven, you were probably helping your mom. Mm-hmm. So all you know is helping, you know, your mom to work. So for you, that's your childhood. You don't know that there's even, you know other kids having fun riding bikes going to Six Flags none of that yeah okay so for you you know your childhood you know this wasn't like you were 16 you got a job this was like you're seven eight years old you're you're helping your mom you know so you see an independent mom um you know so you feel inclined to help Um, so this went on for a little bit. Um, you know, you don't see your dad a whole lot. You know, he's literally working sun up to sundown. You're working with your mom. This is your childhood. You don't know that other kids' childhood, they might be like having fun and stuff, you know, (laughs) that you're working. Um, so especially with your parents, you know, just the relationship between them, they don't see each other a whole lot. Um, you know, you don't even see your dad a whole lot. Did that you know, how did that kind of affect you? Did it even affect your parents' relationship? Um, kind of when you start becoming a teenager, to, you know, how did this, you know, you're becoming, transitioning to an adult, if you will. Um, how did all this affect you? Did it have an effect on you at all, if it did? Well, it, it did, as any relationship I mean, everybody would know, uh, I mean, if you're not present, Mm -hmm. then you're missing out on, one, your children growing up, and two, it's affecting how they're being brought up and how things are just um, turning out in the house. And it did affect my parents a lot. Um, So just around when I, uh, just before I turned 13, like the month before, um, I guess it had been going on for a while, they were having some marital issues, and... I don't know 100%. I mean, I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he hurt my mom. My stepdad hurt my mom. Um, and she had no support from her family here, even though she has her mom, her sisters, her brother living in Dallas. There was just no support for whatever she was going through. And we already had two others, my two youngest sisters. So there was four of us. I'm the oldest of four. Um, so she had no support and he just, my stepdad decided to uproot us and go to Mexico again because there was just nothing, like whatever marital problems they were having, there was just nothing for them here or for him here. And my mom had no support. So we had to go with him. 
Um, there was nothing I could do, you know, being 12 years old. And I felt, um, you know, a preteen in the middle of figuring out who I was. There was very, it was a very drastic change and major life altering event for us. There was so much drama, fear and chaos. Um, it caused a lot of turmoil in my heart because there was nothing I could do to help my mom. Mm -hmm. And she was hurt and we still had to go with him, you know, and there was nothing that I, we could do to stay. I was mad. I was bitter. I was angry at him, at my stepdad. Um, I was weak and I was lost. Um, that was the beginning of a very, very heavy emotional battle for me, seeing my dad, my stepdad, my dad, I mean, um, he is my dad, hurting my mom or knowing that he hurt my mom and that there was absolutely nothing that I could do, nothing in my power that I could do. Well, and that you had to go with him, too, like... Yeah. You, you know, you've already started school at this point. And so now, like, not only you're watching your mom go through this, but like, he's making you all go back yeah. to Mexico. Yeah, you know? we were already, I mean, we had roots here, kind of. I mean, we didn't go anywhere, but I had friends, you know, we were going to school. I was in seventh grade, just at, just at the end of seventh grade. I had friends. And then we just had to uproot everything, everything that we'd learned from. I mean, I was brought here mm -hmm. when I was five. So yeah. my whole growing up, you know, childhood to adolescence was here. Mm -hmm. And then we just had to up and go. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was not, and right in the middle of being, you know, turning into an adolescent where you already have the strongest emotional battles at that point, because you're trying, you're figuring out who you are, yeah. your identity. And then at that point, like that was taken away. Um, yeah. So I was very bitter and very angry at my stepdad. And then we were uprooted. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I always struggled with, just an empty hole in my heart, like knowing, not knowing how to fill it. I, when we were in Mexico, I, I did a lot of bad things. I hung out with not bad people. It was just teenagers doing bad things. You know, we were, uh, I started getting into alcohol when I was 14, partying all the time, being out past three, four in the morning. And looking back now, like I know that hurt my mom too. And like, I think about it sometimes and it just breaks my heart that I did that to my mom. Also knowing that I was trying not to hurt my mom because my the family, the way her life was as a stay-at-home mom and not her husband just not being there was very difficult on her. And then her oldest child doing these things, I know that wasn't good for her. Um, so I remember hearing and learning a little bit about God when I was very young from my grandma, but it was like Catholic values that were passed down to my mom. And she always had like little statues, the Jesus statue, the Virgin Mary statues, like all these little saints and stuff. Um, and she would put up candles and do like little altars. And that, that's how I saw religion. Um, I was told that we didn't have to go to church to be able to speak to God, that he could hear us and see us wherever we were. Um, bad people and then that bad people don't go to heaven. You have to be good and do good. Prayer to the different saints also helped because they were like mediators between us and God. So that's the belief that I had when I was about eight years old. I remember the school assignment where you had to see, like, look up your name and what who you were and what that means for you. And I remember looking up my name in some book or something. It said that Elisa meant devoted to God. I didn't know what that meant exactly, um, but it was nice. It was like, like a little seed that was planted in my heart. And I remember just wondering what that meant and like that wander that I had in my heart and in my mind. So many years passed and then all that stuff with my family happened. And as I, rem as I was going in through my adolescence, I dated different guys and like never felt 
like they were filling my heart like I thought I was in love with these guys mm-hmm. and that I always imagine you know maybe I marry this guy or whatever you know being 14 14 15 years old thinking I'm gonna marry that guy and like mm-hmm. my heart just never felt fulfilled and full and there was always an empty space in there and I didn't know why or how the things that I was doing wasn't filling the void in my heart um so then during that time when we moved to Mexico I had the toughest emotional battles that I faced in my life I was lost and I was angry and I was afraid and lonely and bitter uh, so much that I contemplated taking my life on several occasions. I cried out a lot and I cried so much that I didn't know, I didn't want to leave my mom or my sisters, you know, I was the oldest and then what kind of example was I setting for them? I had just a deep ache in my heart and I didn't know why, like I knew that I had gone through some things and like suffered some different things in my life. but I had an ache in my heart and I didn't know how to fill it. And I thought that maybe just taking my life would just make it all go away and that I wouldn't have to have that hurt in my heart as bad as it was. I remember very vividly there were a couple, pla- a couple times in my life that I remember now looking back, God spoke to me through that sorrow and in those dark, dark moments. Uh, one specific time that I remember feeling him and like I looking back now I like I actually had an encounter with God and I didn't even know it mm-hmm. I was about 15 years old I was we were in Mexico I was in my room I think we, I was alone I mean I don't remember anybody being in the house I had been crying for a long time that day or that evening and I don't remember exactly why just that my heart just felt deep and heavy and like it was just sunk into my into my chest I had a knife and I had been just going back and forth in my head about it, listening to music, just crying, sitting in the corner of the room in the dark. I listened to music just because that would always calm me down. Um, I sang and I cried and I yelled. I cried more. I sat in the corner in the dark with my ni- the knife in my hand and I put it up against my skin and I went to do the thing. I literally wrote that I went to do the thing, and then a specific song came, and I have vague memories of what that song was. Um, and I don't know what happened after that. Like, the song came, and, like, I focused on the song and what it was saying, and, like, just let all that pain just flood, just flood me and take over. And I suppose that I cried some more, and I just sat there, and I didn't do it and I didn't do the thing um I always thought that I prayed to my dad that had passed away so anytime that I felt like that I Mm. would just close my eyes and pray to my dad like dad just help me you know Mm. I don't want to do this but I hurt so bad like how what what am I doing you know or keep my mom safe if I do do this make sure she's okay and like in my mind I always prayed to my dad because he had died you know so I knew he was in heaven and that I could pray to him or that he would be watching my chest felt to go in so deep and as I took a breath thinking about how it make thinking about thinking about it now makes me feel a certain way Mm. Um, because I remember exactly how I felt and like that heaviness in my chest and just God took it away you know somehow I cried so hard that time I felt lost and he took it all away and there was 
And I'm here because of what he did that day. I didn't know that until years later. I honestly didn't even realize it until very recently as I was just thinking back. Years went on and I found other avenues of coping. Um, Back then I was coping by just partying and drinking alcohol and smoking and being out, not listening and being angry. And eventually I just kind of, I guess it was not that long after that one particular time that I was like, I need to do something else because my mom's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't want my mom to be alone. My mm-hmm. dad died. And my stepdad's not here mm-hmm. all the time. You know, she doesn't have support. Like, I'm the only one that can help her. Mm-hmm. And if I leave or if I do something, she's going to hurt even more. Yeah. And I didn't want to do that. And I don't know. I just, I didn't do yeah. it. Well, I know it was, um, I know just like looking at you, like it was hard to just like recount that um memory so just thank you for just being vulnerable to share that um I know that yeah no it's okay to cry I mean these are things this is real life um and I don't think we've had a story yet where you know suicide has been like on the topic um so I think if there's anybody listening I think they'll be encouraged that you were brave enough to share that so thank you You know, you did grow up with, um, I don't really know the right way to, to phrase it, but, you know, Catholicism was your religion. Some religion. Yes, some, some religion. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you'd have Virgin Mary around, you know, around the house. Um, so in that moment, that's kind of what helped you because you knew, like, also, like, you knew your dad was in heaven, so you were praying. Um, but you knew prayer did something. Mm. Um, and so in that moment, I mean, we know God is sovereign, so God used that. Um, God used that religion, God used just your memory, um, to help you and get you out of that moment because he knew your story was not done. Mm. (laughs) Your story was not finished. You, in your head, you thought this is it. Um, you know, I've all my life, I have nothing but change and hurt. Um, I was at Mexico, like my home. And then I got rooted to this other place that I called my home. My mom had to watch her go through these abusive things you know, things and, um, use yourself. You're trying to help her. Um, then you have to go back and to, with this guy that is bad to your mom, but you see him as dad. So you have this weird internal, this struggle going on. You try to fill the void, nothing works. Um, so in your brain, this is it, you know, like that's it. But God said, I'm not done. Hmm. Um, he was not done with you. Um, and so kind of transitioning, you know, what was, you know, kind of what was the future like after that? Like, was God, um, your relationship with him, did it grow? Was it suppressed? Were there people in your life that kind of helped you? Um, you know, because you're here today, so you found our church. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, kind of tell us a little bit. What was life like after that, like, pivotal moment for you? Well, um kind of life went on a little bit and uh I started to really folk try to focus on slowing down my craziness and my bitterness and stuff like I hadn't fully felt relieved and filled in my heart obviously because God wasn't truly or I hadn't accepted God in my life I didn't know that he was helping me back then and I hadn't really truly accepted him in my life um but you know when I was about 17 we came back to the states um, and then I started 
that was around the time I was like, okay, we're leaving again. That's fine. But if we're leaving, I'm staying there Mm -hmm. or I'm staying here. Like we're making this decision. No back and forth. No, no back and forth. It's like, we're either staying here. We're Mm -hmm. making the decision right now or we're leaving. And if we're like, we're leaving. Okay. Then obviously there, I can't break as many rules as I can over here because (laughs) it's not, it was different. Like I remember vaguely the life that we had here before. I was like, it's, I don't have as much freedom, I guess. I didn't feel like I had as much freedom here as I did there where I could just up and go do whatever I wanted. Mm. So um, we decided to come back and I was 17. So I couldn't really stay there either because I was in, of age or whatever. So um, and then I decided that I was going to try and do better and be better you know, really, truly help my mom as much as I can. I was going to be of age soon so that I could go work and, you know, really maybe get out of the house, have my own life, pretty much is what my brain, what I, the way that I thought of things. So time went on and my family, we came back. Um, and then the year later, in 2011, I met Josh and we started dating soon after that. Um, and because we had different views of religion or of God, um, it was something that we didn't really talk about, um, because if I ever wanted to talk about it, and I always felt like I needed to find a place to find God, because like I said, I always had that emptiness in my heart and I knew about prayer. Um, and well, and like you mentioned, like you looked up and saw what your name meant, like devoted to God. So you have all these different pieces and you know, something's missing. So you're like, yes. okay, how do I, how do I put all the pieces together? Yeah. I didn't know. It was, it was just a big random puzzle. Yeah. Like you're saying, um, I had found out what my name meant and always wondered what that meant for me. And then, you know, the little bit of religion that was introduced in my life from my grandma and my mom, you know, bleeding through to my mom and to us just about there is God. He listens to us. We don't have to go to church, but he does, you can pray and he can mm-hmm. hear you and he'll he, you know hear whatever you need. Um, so like I had all those pieces just scattered around. Um, and Josh did too, um, but he grew up from with a uh, Pentecostal grandma. So they're a little more strict, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, so he had, a, I have it written specifically. I didn't know enough about Bible talk to persuade him my way. And he was too hard <laughs> headed set on the church being hypocritical to persuade him for uh to persuade me his way so we were both not trying to like he was trying to pull me away like saying you know christians are this this and that Mm -hmm. and they they all lie or they're hypocritical or whatever like Mm -hmm. they're they've got these rules and like if you don't do it this way you go to hell and like if you say a bad word right before you die you go to hell like that's what he grew up knowing and so he was like, there's no way God can be that way. And he just had like a, a messed up view about it. And I didn't know enough about the Bible or anything like that to really say no, but it's like, it's more like this, you know, I don't think it's that way. So it was just a, a, a big, weird way we started off our relationship. <laughs> like we were good everywhere else. We were very opposite people. But when it came to religion, we were like whew, way opposite. Um... Sometime around 2017 or so, um, I was going through another rough time in my life. Um, I started talking to a Jehovah's Witness, and I never really liked turning to people like that down or even on the street like, oh, hey, here's a pamphlet, you know, come to our church. I'm like, okay, yes, I'll look into it or let me see. Because I always knew that deep down, I guess I knew that God talks to people through people, and I knew that... Uh, deep in my heart, I knew that I wanted to learn about God and know about God and be intimate with him. If I were to fulfill my prophecy, in air quotes, of being devoted to God for what my name meant. Um, 
so I, if I was going to let that come true in my life, I needed to be open to people talking to me about God. So I always talked to them, even if it was just for a minute, for a pamphlet or whatever. So this one lady started coming to our door and I decided, I guess I said the right things or asked the right questions and or had the time to really sit with her. And she would come for like once a week, 30 minutes. She'd sit and talk to me. We'd go over some questions or read, uh, you know, a couple verses or something. Josh didn't really like that I was doing that, but he let me anyways because he knew I was working through some things. And, and at this point, y'all were had already been married or yes we okay, had been married, married yeah, uh, started dating yeah so like um i we didn't let the whole religion thing be a big deal in mm-hmm. our relationship just because we were attracted to each other there were different things that attracted us to each other mm-hmm. and religion wasn't at that moment wasn't like a big deal yeah. like it wasn't a make or break deal for us it was like we have aspirations we both want great things for our lives we want to go to school you know make a life for ourselves so we had the mindset at that moment, like the mindset that we like, I had transitioned into being just like pushed down, devoted to being a better person. So I think he really liked that because mm-hmm. he, he we met at, right at that transition in my life where I was like, I'm going to be good and do good and just be better for my family and stuff like that. So I think he really liked that part of me at that point. But so religion wasn't a big deal, make or break or anything. Um, but yeah, we had already been married for a few years in 20, we married in 2013. Um, so then we, um, he had a friend from college because he was, we were both going to college at that point. Um, his name, uh, Trevor. And I guess I asked the right questions or maybe we were, I was talking to this lady and I had some questions and something didn't seem a hundred percent right. And so I was like, I found out that he went to church. And I was like, well, maybe I can ask him. Because he was like, he and Josh would talk about random stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And I like, I felt like Trevor was an easy one to talk to when it came about religion or, I guess, Christianity. And I didn't know exactly what kind of Christian he was or what kind of God he followed or whatever, or how he viewed God. But I had some questions and I asked him. And it was just a conversation that we, me, Josh, and Trevor had together um, around his birthday in 2018 in April. And... I always wanted to find a place that filled my heart, but also somewhere that we could both go and feel welcome. And Trevor, uh, we were hanging out with Trevor and no idea what we were talking about, but I asked and we chatted about a lot of different things. And then he suggested we bring some of those questions to Neil, our youth pastor here. And Josh finally agreed to visit Trevor's church in 2018. So we met with Neil and Miss Pam and some of the crazy crew here (laughs) that we hang out with now. Um, We instantly felt welcome. We felt at home. Neil answered a lot of my questions very early on. And one night after refuge, we talked about um, uh, like what I felt in my heart about God and how I like officially confessed my life to him, you know, being surrounded with people here filled with the Holy Spirit, full of love for God and transparent with their flaws and transparent in the way that they worship is something my heart always ached for. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know this is what I needed. Um, I didn't know what it was like living without the weight of that hurt and trauma in my heart Mm -hmm. and finally just letting it go. It took some time to really forgive the things that happened to me and like the people that happened to me, I eventually mended my relationship with my stepdad. It took some time, Mm. a lot of work, but 
I prayed so much the years passed without even knowing that I was praying for him to do the thing that he did for us, you know, 2,000 mm-hmm. years ago plus. And he filled that empty spot. Yeah. And it's not empty anymore. Yeah. It's just crazy when I think about it. It's like, I don't feel empty. Like, obviously, I'm still growing in, yeah. in my faith. But, like, my heart doesn't feel empty. And it's cool cause that you can compare, you know, because a lot of people, they come to Christ and, like, traditionally in, like, the States, you know, like, people get saved when they're little. And then from there, it's like I think they it's grow. From growing, in, growing up in the church, mm-hmm. it's a different transition. Yeah than from being outside from the church and then coming into it. Mm-hmm. Like, transition is, like, just uh, black and white almost. Well, and, like, you're – it's so cute. Like, not cute, like, but it's beautiful. That's what I'll say. Oh, it's beautiful because I know you didn't grow up in, you know, Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so for you, you're learning all these stories that, like, for me, like – because I grew up in the church, and so for me, I like I don't think twice about certain things. Like, oh, you know, Jonah and the well, mm. and oh, you know, um, Joseph and his his you know brothers and the coat. But it's like for the you, you have to relearn. You know, you're learning all of this. It's new. Yes, that's um, another reason why I like working with the kids. Yeah, in Awana, because how vibrant the information is mm-hmm. to them. Like, so it's new. Yeah. So it's like I'm learning with them. Yeah. So I I really like that. Yeah. So yeah, we're I'm just. So glad that you have the courage to like talk to Trevor about this, but it, it's cool to see the thread of the Lord in your in your life and to hear your story late. You know, there's a lot of pieces, miss, you know, that you haven't, but just to see the Lord in your story, um, to see Him place certain people in your life to bring out certain things in you, and then finally, like this Jehovah's Witness, I feel like that was like the peak, like you know, like it was God a- used. Mm-hmm her to like help put another piece together and then when trevor when god sovereignly put trevor in josh's life um that that's really cool i think that that was honestly very pivotal for sure because if it wasn't for josh knowing trevor first Mm -hmm. i might have not asked those questions or josh might not have been more open yep or open enough to say hey you know what yeah maybe we should go ask some questions just check it out yeah you know, because him and Trevor, like, got along really well. Yeah. So I think that that was a big... Yeah, so, and I love that you said, you know, you came to our, you came to this church, um, plug for our church, 3300 La Prada Drive, Mesquite, Texas. I am a big fan of this church, um, but it's definitely community. I hear that all the time. Like, we have visitors, and they'll say, it just feels so welcoming. Well, that's the spirit, mm-hmm. you know, so praise God. What is your life like now? What does it look like um, today? Whatever you want to share. Um, you know, you went to this church. Now you're here, a member. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to stop <laughs> rambling. What would you like to share? <laughs> uh, well, I really wanted to just say one little part before I do okay. wrap up. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, I didn't know what I needed back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what it was like to live without the weight of that hurt and trauma in my heart. And, um, he found me, I was lost and he found me right where I was in the dark, in the middle of that anguish and the sin that I was in, in the tears, he was there and it was not officially, it was officially my sad obviously in 2018 when I gave my life back to him, he had been chasing me down for so many years. I finally accepted him and it's been magnificent to feel relief, that relief in my heart and my soul. I just wanted to say that first. Um, so today, uh, it's 2022. Now I have, me and Josh have a little boy. He's 10 and a half months old. We help with uh, the children here at the Awana 
uh, ministry. We uh, help with uh, the sound and live stuff for the church, the main service. We do a lot for the church, and sometimes it feels like we don't get filled in enough. But it's also part like we're not. Sometimes we just don't do the work, and I know it's part of it that we just not doing putting in the work. But it for me, I have a servant heart. Like in the Enneagram thing, I'm a number two. So it's a very servant heart, being there for other people and doing things for other people, forgetting about what I need. And I know I need to be more uh, purposeful on filling what I need as well. Um, But we're good. We, like I said, our life has just been drastically changed since we got here in 2018. We joined, like officially became members not not that far, not that long after that. I was baptized in that September, I think, of 2018. And then I think Josh got baptized the following year around the same time because I think it took him some time to really accept it as well. Like he said he had been saved when he was like eight or nine growing up, you know, Pentecostal with his grandma, but he like lost his way and all that. Like he has his own story to tell. Um, but then one time also in refuge, like a year after I got. Refuge is our Wednesday night service for those who don't know. Just FYI, yeah. Um, so just talking to Neil really helped him as well. And then he was like, talked to Neil and was like revived, I guess. I don't know how you would say that because he had like technically been saved when he was young, but we don't know for sure how that, I don't know. But then he like re got reset. I don't know. But yeah, so, um, like I like to serve where I can. I like to be involved with the kids, um, he has a little bit harder time doing that kind of stuff because he's different than I am. He's not, uh, he doesn't have as much a servant heart as I do, I guess. But we're good. We're happy. My heart is full. I have a lot of learning to do still. I'm still very early on in my journey. Um, but we're good. Yeah, he's still serving. <laughs> just looks different. Yeah, Y'all are his, very servant. His so. ser- yeah, his serving does Killer. look a lot different than mine. Y'all are a blessing to our church, so I'm so glad that. We love it here. Like, the people yeah. here are just so welcoming, like, like yeah. just from the very beginning, we both felt welcome. Like not just me, even and he has a hard time fitting in with people because he's very hard headed and like protective of yeah. himself. Um, but it was he felt welcome and like that was a blessing to me because then that just opened up so much more yeah. for our relationship as well. It was good. Yeah. It's good. I love you. Oh, me too. My hands are sweaty or I'd like my, give you a <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I love you. I'm so proud and just happy and just encouraged and I'm I feel blessed that I got to do this little interview Lord God thank you so much for Elisa and her story I thank you for um the way you piece together our stories you uh you bring all the threads together and you weave a beautiful tapestry for us and I just thank you so much for it I thank you um that you're always with us and um that you empathize with us and you know exactly how we feel and you minister to that. And I thank you um, for getting to share stories, Lord, uh, with each other and how much they encourage us. And I thank you uh, for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as well. So go check those out.